This podcast was produced by Sean Weston Media. Welcome to episode 26 of the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. It's another season of interviews about how modern professional people work within modern media. And in this episode, Alexandra Moxin and I talk about a number of topics, including writing, podcasting, self-promotion, project management and leadership. Alexandra is CEO and founder of Advanced Tech Media and produces the Advanced Tech Podcast. We get stuck in the weeds a little bit in a fascinating discussion about artificial intelligence, which I hope you stay tuned for as it may affect how we approach the media industry over the next few years. Let's get on with the show. So, Alexandra, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you very much. Um, it was lovely to invite you, actually. You're dialing in from Vancouver, so so quite a long way for this podcast, actually. And you are a woman of many talents, uh, most of which revolve around technology. So as a helpful starting point for our listeners, w- would you uh, explain what you're currently working on and a little bit about the podcast that you produce that runs alongside your company? Sure. Um, So currently, I'm a CEO and founder of Advanced Tech Media, and Advanced Tech Media is focused on emerging tech. So everything from artificial intelligence to Bitcoin to um, distributed systems, um, you name it, uh, anything that's really at the forefront of technology. Um, The idea is to talk to experts in the field, and and not self-proclaimed experts, but but people that have the the grounding, uh, people that are building uh, versus just, you know, talking about great new ideas. Um, We do do talk to some founders in the startup space, and I definitely don't want to exclude those people. Um, There's some really great ideas out there. But when we're talking to uh, people that are really creating the the tech of tomorrow, which is one of the taglines of the show, Mm. um, I want to be speaking with people that have, you know, a solid grounding, solid education. Um, and they, they come from a place of knowledge and experience. Right. So we're talking about official qualified experts here, not, not pretend experts. <laughs> well, and I mean, somebody can be absolutely brilliant at 16 and have no formal classical training. Um, I mm, mean, that's, that's definitely the case, but uh, that tends to be the exception. So uh, you started AdaptTech Labs in, in 2019, and that's an, an accelerator program as well, isn't it? Um, it is. That's sort of something that's been put on hold. Uh, so Adaptech Group is a company I used to work for. I was previously uh, vice president of business development. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a collaboration between the uh, the CEO, uh, an outside consultant and myself. And uh, it's still really early on in conceptual phase. Uh, I'm not certain that that will be, uh, we'll be seeing any ground with that until uh, at least a year or two from now. Uh, if that okay. goes, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. So so your focus right now is on uh, advanced tech and the, the advanced tech podcast as well, which you actually set up um, in 2017, am I right? Yes. Now, why did you set that up? So um, how I got into this space, I was a co-host for Vancouver Tech Podcast for about six months. Uh, so Drew and James started that, uh, I think, in 2015 or 2014 even. Uh, actually, I think it was 2015. And the idea was to, it was a weekly show. And we talk to um, people around Vancouver, usually CTOs, developers, um, designers, people working on some cool things. Um, There was a news component, so we'd always talk about what was happening for meetups and things that, uh, events that you should be making sure that you're at. Um, It was about an hour-long show and, uh, yeah, weekly format. So I did that for about six months, and I was always trying to get Drew to um, expand a little bit. uh, But he was very focused on wanting to be only Vancouver. Um, in Canada, the um, the epicenter of um, 
I guess the epicenter tends to be in, of anything really, tends to be in um, Toronto. And uh, okay. Vancouver is a, a really cool, unique environment. I mean, we're, we're, we've been called Silicon Valley North. We've been called Hollywood North. There's a lot of really interesting, technical, uh, very talented people out here. And I think that's one of the reasons why he wanted to keep the show focused just on Vancouver. But um, in the emerging tech space, there's, I mean, globally, you see... You see expertise distributed globally. So um, that was one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to um, have my own show. I did have a co-host for about a year. Um, he's actually the uh, founder and CEO of Adaptech Group. And uh, he's been focusing mostly on his company uh, over the last couple of years. So the last couple of years, it's been, uh, it's been you know, me driving the show from everything from content to reaching out to people to producing episodes. Uh, so it's a lot of work, <laughs> but actually, it's a lot of fun. I know for a fact it's a lot of work. <laughs> I can I can really uh, give you a testimonial for that one. But that that grounding uh, starting out in the Vancouver Tech podcast gave you that flavor, didn't it, of what, how useful a podcast can be in running alongside a business. Well, definitely. And I mean, people are I'm not quite sure what I want to say about podcasting. Um, it's it's nice to be able to get that snippet of information. So um, I was a longtime listener to uh, Tim Ferriss' podcast, and mm. I really liked how he had, um, you know, he brought in experts from around the world, and he sort of broke down the barrier of um, when you're first starting out in your career, you've got your idea of your, your heroes and your archetypes, and, you know, oh, if I could just be at that level someday, that would be amazing. Um, and he essentially took people at that level and brought them to you. And I mean, yes. to me, that's the power of any kind of um, digital media or medium, um, be it video, be it podcasting um, or in-person interviewing. So uh, being able to feel like you're, you know, you're hearing firsthand from people that have built some amazing things. Um, that's that's just so cool. Yes. And that simplifying of very complex things, because let's face it, you work in emerging technology. It's, it's stuff that people don't tend to read about on a daily basis. And I think the advantage, you might agree, in having a podcast and writing regularly is to break down that information to something uh, more people can understand. Definitely. That's definitely something that, um, I mean, in the Bitcoin space in particular, uh, in artificial intelligence, um, yeah, it's people are kind of intimidated by Bitcoin at first. You know, they they think, oh, that's just you know the money on the internet that criminals use, which is yeah. completely, <laughs> completely, yeah. you know, the furthest from the truth that um, that it could be. You know, it's the first it's the first hard money, the first um, the first money really that we've had that's based on any value um, since we've we've come off the the gold standard. So uh, being able to explain what Bitcoin is in technical terms and in ways where, you know, somebody who doesn't have the technical background can understand it. Um, it's been one of the, the true pleasures of the show is, is getting to, you know, um, having, having people that are, you know, they're either core developers or they're very involved in, in the protocol somehow or building companies around it somehow. Um, and they're really trying to move things forward. So you're getting the... I guess insider's perspective isn't necessarily the right word, but but you kind of are. Um, you're you're hearing from people that are actually you know on the front lines building things, yeah, and um, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, and your background is also in project management as well, isn't it? That's where I started. Yeah. So where did you get this experience then? Um, so I started out when I was still finishing my degree at uh, university, the University of British Columbia, um, is where I actually got into emerging tech. So one of the things I was a, an analyst in the Faculty of Science, 
And one of my mandates was to look at uh, emerging tech and kind of the adoption curve. So essentially, uh, see, for example, um, one of the things we were looking at was a 3D printer. And this is this is 2003. So they were big and clunky. <laughs> they were very yeah, expensive. I can imagine. Um, it was definitely way, way too early for, you know, commercial, uh, commercial adoption really even. Um, so it's still kind of in the, the early, early phase. And yeah. uh, the idea was to look at, you know, look at new tech and see how it could potentially be utilized in the education environment and at what point would we want to get on board. Um, so yeah. that's how I got into emerging technology. Project management, I just kind of fell into. I got into a contract uh, right out of university uh, working for Best Buy, I think. That was my first one. And yeah, I just kind of built from there. I did my PMP training and project management's interesting, but <laughs> it's also pretty boring. Um, it's, uh, it's a skill. I appreciate people that are able to keep things on track. I can. Uh, I'm very good when it comes to motivating teams. Um, there was one company, I, I literally tripled the productivity of the team to, make a, to meet a deadline. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. But uh, for me, it's, it's much more interesting to dive into uh, what motivates somebody to do something and, you know, what's next? Not yeah. not so much keeping things on track now, but where are we going with this? What's the overall arc? Uh, that I find deeply interesting. It's funny how many people I actually talk to, uh, particularly entrepreneurs, um, that say they fell into something. It's so common to hear that. Uh, it's very rare that I, I talk to someone who said, well, this is what I wanted to do at university. This is what I'm doing now. <laughs> this is what I'll be doing over the next 10 years. And But but a lot more people say, well, I fell into project management or I fell into, you know, uh, working as a producer at the BBC or whatever. It seems that luck and, uh, uh, plays an important role as well as, you know, guiding ourselves in our career. Luck or, or luck of the draw plays such a big role in where we end up and how we apply those skills to our future positions. Um, yeah, I mean, luck is preparation and timing. Um, so making sure that you're open to opportunities and making sure that you're you're going out and actively seeking connections with people um, and, you know, making sure that you're at conferences. Of course, we can't do that now, but yeah. uh, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. Um, it is nice that uh, there are still digital uh, meetups. And, and what's been really interesting about this whole lockdown, uh, pandemic and lockdown, is the emergence of VR. Um, so I've been getting quite into VR lately. And um, it's it's really cool. It's a very immersive experience. Um, I like the fact that you can pick different avatars. You can be different people. <laughs> it's really, really interesting. Um, I like it a lot. Well, your, your skill set actually includes skills you might commonly associate with media professionals, such as writing and, and audio production. So are these skills you've actively worked on to help promote your career in project management? Or do you find yourself absorbing these skills as you go along? Um, so I've always written. Um, I started writing, uh, when was I, probably 14 or 15, mm. um, and just playing around with things. Um, you know, I started out writing poetry, <laughs> which... You learn pretty I've early on. Nobody there. wants yeah. to read poetry. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't pay very well either. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it was just, it was an avenue of self-expression. And, yeah. you know, I really like, I think words can convey such power. And the ability to, uh, the ability to wrap something up so that it's it's accessible, yet still interesting and compelling. Um, there's, there's something really cool about that. Um, so I've always enjoyed playing with words as a medium. 
it's something I, I've, I've just kind of always done as a, as a side hobby. Um, audio production I learned uh, for the podcast, um, so I produce things in Audacity. Um, I'm just learning video editing right now, <laughs> so <laughs> recently started video episodes on the podcast. Not all of them. Um, sometimes we have a guest on who uh, wants to maintain privacy, so we just throw up an avatar, um, and sometimes we'll have video for that. I mean, obviously, people uh, come on podcasts and go on other people's videos and be interviewed as a, a, a platform for sharing ideas and world-changing ideas and, and just for fun sometimes. But a lot of it is for self-promotion, and it really works, in, in my opinion, anyway. How much of what you do is to help promote you and help promote your business? So with the podcast, um, hmm, it's, it's bigger than just me. And I think anything that has any true value, um, it's more than just, you know, self-promotion and, you know, promoting and bringing on sponsors and advertising and, and everything like that. Um, what I really want with the, the podcast is I want it to be a platform for people to, um, people to be able to share and explain how they're creating the world that they want to live in. Um, so it's, it's really as simple as that, um, so when it comes to promotion, I, I definitely don't promote as much as, as I should. I, I need to be doing that more. Um, I currently have... <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it? It is hard work. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of think that the work should speak for itself. And, you know, I don't... I mean, I could hire a PR firm um, to, get, to get my name out there and, and get the show's name out there. But I, I kind of think building that organically is more authentic. Mm. And, you know, the people that truly listen to the show... Um, you know, I want people that are, are listening and engaged and they enjoy hearing, you know, new shows. And um, it's not about like, oh, what's cool and new. It's like, oh, I really, you know, I want to hear that person's perspective on this. And I've been wanting to know about this. And um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> Promotion's like a double-edged sword. It's like something you have to do. Um, I'm also, uh, nobody believes me when I say it, but I'm, I'm very deeply introverted. And uh, I think a lot of people that are in a creative profession um, are as well. Yeah. Um, even though we're, you know, we seem comfortable on stage or uh, comfortable on camera, um, it's almost like I go into a different world when yeah. I'm on camera or engaged in an interview. Um, and it's, it's not about me. It's about really putting the focus on the person I'm speaking with. And I think the best interviewers do that. They, they don't make it about themselves. They don't, you know, try to inject all of their viewpoints. Um, they really try to bring the best out of the guest that they, uh, they're speaking with. Well, introverts are, are known for listening. Yeah, we are. Hundred percent, and and I think I like that differentiation you just said there about you know introverts can still appear on stage. I think there's a misconception that introverts are all shy people, you know, and <laughs> it's not it's that we choose to not be in the limelight most of the time, and and it's very different from shyness because because I'm also introverted. I don't hide behind a microphone. I just enjoy it more, and I like to listen to other people's stories. And I think uh, you sound like a, a similar sort of person. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's um, I've always heard, you know, I'm a good listener and uh, I've always I'm one of those people that people tell things to. I probably shouldn't <laughs> probably shouldn't say that. But uh, I've so many times growing up and over the course of my, my career, I've heard, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but, you know, or I feel I can trust you. <laughs> so. Well, I think the podcasting side of things as well, you tend to, as, as a medium for sharing information, you tend to get a lot more across, don't you? I, I have noticed that you're writing less, and I don't think it's a coincidence anyway that there's more audio output from you. 
And uh, I listen to Sam Harris. I, I don't know if you do, but but he he has run a very successful podcast for a number of years now, and he's writing less. And he says it's because I can get so much more information across in two hours of talking with someone than actually writing that book over a number of months and hoping someone buys it. Do you have the similar approach to whether you blog or whether you put something out as, as audio? Yeah, um, I mean, each each medium has its, um, I guess I want to say... Use- Strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and, and usefulness, really. Um, it really depends what you're trying to do. Um, do you want people to feel like they're connecting to somebody and getting a, an explanation and kind of that inside view? Then if you do, then you probably want to be using you know audio or video. Um, video is incredibly powerful. Uh, sometimes being able to, you know, the person being able to see the other person on the other side and, and hear the words, um, that can be a really powerful message. Um, some people prefer to kind of more passively listen or, you know, listen to a podcast while they're going out for a run or driving or commuting. Um, when it comes to written uh, media, so I just recently um, published or had an article published in Citadel 21, which is a really awesome new cypherpunk um, magazine zine <laughs> that uh, that Hodlinot and uh, Bitcoin Katia put out, and uh, so I was featured in in volume three. It's a uh, monthly monthly zine that features um, pretty high signal um, content versus noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got some you know very curated articles. There's always kind of there seems to be a bit of a theme. Um, there's some cool artwork, and it's everything from you know, short articles to longer interviews to um, graphic, like graphic novel type um, type content. It's it's very cool. Phoenix is the article that I wrote, and it, it's kind of short, but um, what it was, um, I was compelled to write it, and um, it's kind of a it's a critique of what's everything that I think collectively collectively we're sort of all feeling is maybe wrong with the world um and and i shouldn't i shouldn't generalize i shouldn't say that but um to me it seems like there's just so many things that like everything is so upside down and everything that um i grew up believing is now like it's now dangerous to believe (laughs) which is crazy and the very thought that you can be you know having thoughts of your own is now considered a hate crime i mean that's just like we're literally living in 1984 in george orwell yeah absolutely. you know and it's it's horrible so um phoenix is really you know i talk a lot about what's going on and i just give like a, a factual um observation of you know i start out saying you know i'm i know it's like 7 p.m. or 1900 because, uh, you know, I can hear the nightly cheer for the, you know, for the frontline workers. Mm. And that in itself is interesting, but we can't, like, (laughs) we're not willing to pay a fair wage for frontline workers um, because we want to save costs. But, you know, yeah, we can cheer for them every night and, you know, have DJs play sets and and other things. It's it's just, it's so backward, right? You've piqued my interest. I really want to read this now. I'm going to look, I'll be looking for it after this, after this call. It's short. I, uh, I don't, um, yeah, I don't hold anything back. A lot of times when I write stuff, um, I kind of hold, <clears throat> I hold back a little bit. Um, but with this article, I just, yeah, it's everything I think. And um, I, I really don't care if, uh, if I'm going to be judged <laughs> for it. <laughs> um, so the, how I close on that is uh, I talk a little bit about Bitcoin and how it's, uh, how it's the cure for all the uh, yeah, collective yeah, madness okay. that's going on right now. You just uh, said something about speaking your mind or sharing what you think others might 
not want to hear. And I, I enjoyed an article you wrote. We're going back to 2018 now, and it was called Stop Apologizing, A Leadership How-To. And I just thought it was so straightforward. It's the sort of thing that we tend to write about every now and again, and you wonder whether anyone's actually paying any attention. But it has a lot of really common sense tips about leadership. So you obviously have a strong opinion about leadership as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about where you're coming from with that? Sure. Um, so leadership, I was lucky enough that I had some leadership training early on in life. Um, I had, uh, I was very independent from a very, very early age. I kind of, I kind of had to be. And um, yeah, luckily I had some good teachers and um, good examples. I was able to also get into fitness training at the time. So that really helped kind of shape the, the discipline that I needed in my life and um, kind of give me goals and, and things like that. So Leadership is, I mean, it's all about, gosh, <laughs> how do I break down leadership? Where do you start? <laughs> um, one of the, the principles I like is, um, is, the, is starting at absolute zero. And what I mean by that is breaking down all of the things that kind of hold you back, all of the self-defeating um, self thoughts and beliefs, and, and just really like wiping the slate clean and starting fresh. And then from there, setting the intention of what is it that I want to do? You can't think positive and achieve your goals. You've got to put in the work. Uh, it's important to have an optimistic viewpoint. But really, a lot of it is about, um, you know, looking 10 years into the future. And if I could be living my ideal life, what would I be doing? Taking that, working backward, and then achieving it. And really, leadership is about, a lot of it is, a lot of it is about fortitude. And, you know, being the example that you want to see and also realizing that if you're going to take a leadership role, you're also going to be, um, you're going to be kind of a guiding light for others. So you have to, you have to make sure that you're um, authentic in what you're doing and you don't give up. You know, any true leader um, leads from behind. So making sure that the entire group is taken care of, uh, not so much in a caretaking way, <laughs> but in, in a way where they're empowered, where yes. they don't feel like you're above anything um, and that, you know, that you're truly, you truly give a shit about what happens. Yeah. Sorry, I probably shouldn't swear. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's free reign here. It's a British podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, any any true leader should be able to um, work anywhere in the organization and still be effective. And yeah. I think, you know, I look at CEOs that I respect and admire and leaders that I respect and admire, and they're the ones that have kind of started from the bottom and worked their way up and they have deep knowledge and they have, you know, empathy. And those are really important qualities. Yeah. Now, I know I know, COVID-19 has kind of put a halt to all the, the conference work. And I know you are you are a conference speaker as well, and you mainly talk about AI and, and, and emerging tech. Do you talk about leadership at, at conferences? <laughs> Um, I'm going to start talking more about that. So, yes, <laughs> I have a couple talks that I'm working on. Yeah, I mean, eventually, yes, I would like to talk more about that. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I want to write a book, maybe. <laughs> I've been kind of playing around with that. It's a ton of work. Um, and I'd rather just focus on sort of experience and yeah. um, experiential endeavors. Yeah, talking to those experts in AI. So, so what do you, what role do you think AI might play in uh, in light of COVID nineteen over the next couple of years? Perhaps is it an opportunity to actually um, double down on, on on some of the emerging tech that we haven't explored in as much depth as we as we could have? Um, I mean, yes, I think. Um, 
anytime anyone or anytime the world is kind of distracted and panicked uh, is the perfect opportunity to really double down on something that um, you're deeply interested in. One of the positive things about being uh, going through this lockdown is so many people have taken the time to, you know, brush up on their their knowledge, um, you know, read more, get more into things, develop hobbies. Um, so I think that that's um, that's good. Um, not everyone has had the opportunity to do that, and uh, sometimes it's hard to do that, especially if you're working in, in isolation. Um, but I think it's very important. So where I see AI going, <laughs> gosh, I mean, right now we're, we're kind of early on. Like artificial intelligence or synthetic intelligence, as I like calling it, is um, it's basically just advanced machine learning right now. Mm-hmm. And where we're going to see a, a truly intelligent system emerge is where you're able to train a system and it's able to learn something novel beyond what you've taught it. So if you're feeding um, raw information into a system and, and asking it to look at, you know, determine if this is a cat or not a cat, um, then uh, if it's able to, to learn something else or apply that knowledge some other unexpected way, um, then I think that's where it gets really interesting. One of the problems with AI is there's a lot of bias that we introduce into our system. So there was a talk that I gave at Nicholas Badminton's um, Dark Futures mm-hmm. probably about two years ago. Um, and I was talking about the dark side of big data and essentially that, how bias can be introduced. So you have to be really careful that you're not um, introducing bias into your data sets. I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can protect against that, but it's a very subtle thing, too. Um, so if you're finding that, you know, everything is predicting something and it seems like it's like, for example, um, you look at the Facebook Facebook bots that came out and it's widely cited in media that, you know, Facebook bots were like all of a sudden racist. Right. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But a lot of that is just a recursion of data uh, yeah. going through and going through. It's almost like what you see on, you know, if you watch something on YouTube that's like very strongly, it has a very strong viewpoint, then it's going to recommend um, videos and maybe take you down a path that like two or three videos you know are fine and then the fourth video is like whoa what am I watching <laughs> right? yeah, the dark rabbit hole right <laughs> well and I mean it's just it's it's the tendency for things to turn into extremes right yeah, and yeah. Um, so I think that's something we have to guard for in any system that we're creating um, but AI is, is very I don't know. It's it's such a fascinating thing. It is, and I've I've read about the argument, you know, in in AI because I read a lot about AI as well. A, in AI, it's easier to build something hurried and flawed than it is to build something safe and reliable, which takes a little bit longer. But it's not going to stop the hurried and flawed ones from perhaps coming out first, and and that may affect. You know, you almost create AI to fix the AI that was built before it, and, and models of AI in. in various uh, industries and various models. I mean, right now, AI is so uh, inherent in in financial services and financial technology, but it can be used in so many different ways, can't it? Well, it really can be. And I mean, it comes down to data and just really fast uh, processing of data. Um, I mean, essentially, that's all machine learning is, is a machine that's, you know, able to take vast volumes of data and, and process it very quickly. Um, when it gets to the point where it seems almost human-like, um, I mean, I don't think we have the, I don't think we have the technical capacity just yet, but I think we're very close. And one of the interesting things I find when it comes to, so you've got AI, which is basically you know hard machine learning, and then you've got the concept of AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, and this is typically what, um, typically what Hollywood gives uh, 
<laughs> gives us the as the example of you know the scary the AI taking yeah. over exactly yeah. right. <laughs> so there's the concept of uh, sentience in AGI and creating the machine that can think, and um, I think that's the really interesting part about AI. Yeah. Um, it's scary for a lot of people because we've been kind of scared away from you know. If a, <laughs> the best stories are fear-based, right? Because it taps yeah. into a really deep part of our psyche. The primal, that, yeah. Exactly. And so if you want to sell tickets, you know, create a story that has some aspect of, of fear and make it go out of control, and <laughs> you've got a blockbuster, right? Yeah. But when you look at the truth of something, um, you know, I don't think it's... Could it happen that way? Sure. I mean, there, there's always every possibility available. Will it likely happen that way? I don't think so. Mm. I really don't. Um, I'm much more of an optimist when it comes to artificial intelligence and the possibility of, of AGI. I don't know. I think the field of robotics in AI, or sorry, AGI or synthetic intelligence or whatever you want to call it, um, the, the concept of embodiment, I think, is a necessary precondition of having a mind. And That's by that, um, by having a robot body, you can interact with the world. And I really think it's the interaction, it's the, the senses that feed back um, that information to the system. Like, you touch something and it's hot. Oh, okay. So you, you develop, um, I mean, it's essentially like how a toddler would learn. You develop that instinct, you know, don't touch the stove because it's hot. But sometimes you have to touch it in order to realize that. Oh, okay, that's why I don't do that. Um, so I think that feedback that you get from your environment, I think is a necessary precondition to having having consciousness. If AGI does develop in robots, <laughs> we're really going down a rabbit hole. I love it. <laughs> if if that does happen, you know, does that is that a necessary condition thereon or therein? Like, uh, can a machine just escape into a mind or a hive mind consciousness? You know, I think that's in- entirely possible. Yeah. Gosh, we did fall down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this this podcast is about media, but, but I suppose we can link. You know, if you link uh, the creative fields, I, I love talking to creative people, and I suppose there are certain people in creative industries thinking, "Am I going to re- be replaced by AI in ten years' time? You know, am I going to be able to collect a decent pension at some point? Is will a robot be?" hosting these podcasts for me etc etc but there's an optimism behind that as well is is there's so many more opportunities to to learn how it can help us i notice you're learning code have you been learning code in lockdown i have been a little bit um i've taken a a coding boot camp um i got a little bit overwhelmed at the beginning with some of the setup so um i stopped it (laughs) but i I am kind of trying to go through it on my own it was just an accelerated path so i'm learning python and um I did learn Java before. Um, I know some basic like HTML and CSS um, and some command yeah. line. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to always be leveling up and yes. always be yeah, learning your next your next skills. Well, what do you do um, to uh, relax? Let's let's move away from the conference <laughs> speaking right now and podcast production. What, what do you do to relax? I notice you, you're very passionate about fitness, aren't you? I am. Yeah. So one of the one of the things I'm particularly proud of, I'm part of uh, Team Satoshi, which is a bunch of Bitcoiners that get together. And uh, somebody coined the term Fitcoiner, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> so. 
there was a, a live stream. I think it was Tonebase's live stream. And I noticed in the comments, somebody said, oh, Fit Corner, that's cool. <laughs> it's like, that's a great term. Um, I don't know who it was, so I can't attribute the term no. properly. Uh -huh. but, uh, but yeah, fitness has always been important. Um, when I was, I think I was 12 or 13 when I first got into fitness, um, I joined like a local gym. And then a year later, I joined like a proper bodybuilding gym. And I was like fully training for... Um, I guess not competition, but um, I was thinking about that. Um, for me, fitness is someplace where I can go in and I can apply effort um, in a, a safe space and I can see results. Mm -hmm. And it's not dependent or reliant on anyone. It's uh, just it builds strength in me. Um, I'm able to refine my methods and kind of experiment on myself, kind of Tim Ferriss style. <laughs> <laughs> so. And as you said earlier as well, it was that discipline thing, isn't it? You, you took up fitness and it helps it helps discipline our minds sometimes, doesn't it? Or at least depressurize certain aspects of thinking. Well, it really does. And I mean, um, physical activity, I think, is so important. Um, and, you know, even if you're going through like an injury or if you've got um, some kind of movement um, of, um, I guess, challenges, um, it's important to always, you know, it's it's about keeping your blood flowing and, you know, making sure that your muscles don't atrophy. And I think, a, um, you know, a healthy mind is always found in a healthy body, almost always. And I think it's, um, I just think it's such a fundamental thing that, um, you know, we should be encouraging this in, in kids as they're growing up um, to make sure that they're doing something, something physical, whether it be dance or sports or, you know, some kind of training or martial arts. Um, just to build that discipline that, you know, no matter what's going on, this is always something you can come back to and always something where you'll see results, especially when the world is so chaotic. Yeah. Uh, being able to um, being able to still accomplish something when everything's falling apart, I think, is, is really key. I very much enjoyed our conversation. I'm really happy that you've been able to join me this, this morning. And uh, I wonder if you can uh, help listeners get in touch with you. How do we find you, Alexandra? <laughs> well, um, probably the best place, uh, my favorite medium is probably Twitter. So I'm at Alexandra933 um, on Twitter and, and on most platforms. Um, I have a new website, it's advancedtech.io, and I may change the domain for that, but that's where I'm currently parked. Um, the podcast is Advanced Tech Podcast, or sorry, what is it? <laughs> it's Advanced Tech Media or Advanced Tech Podcast. Uh, it's actually advancedtechmedia.org. Thank you so much, Alexandra. You bet. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. That was Alexandra Moxin, and you can find her on Twitter at Alexandra933 and on most social platforms. Her website is, for now, advancedtech.io, and the podcast is advancedtechmedia.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform or simply share it with someone you know who will enjoy it. And you can take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. In the meantime, stay tuned. There's more to come. Music